Welcome to another light reading podcast. My name is Phil Harvey and congratulations, you have made it to the end of the week. This is the notebook dump edition of the light reading podcast and joining me today are Nicole Ferraro, Kelsey Zeiser, Jeff Baumgartner, and Mike Dano. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hello, plant. Uh, Kelsey. Oh, oh, there she is. Okay. Sorry. Oh, wait. Oh, now I missed her. Anyway. Ah, uh, peekaboo. <laughs> we see you. We'll just, uh, just keep this nonsense up for, uh, for our people listening on audio only because they'll, 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 they'll be very frustrated. Um, but anyway, we're here to, uh, uh, talk about what's happened during the past week. Uh, and, uh, um, actually the past two weeks, if we want to, because we didn't do this last week, we were all, uh, in various places and super busy and stuff like that. Um, one, uh, of the most popular, uh, stories this past month has been, uh, Ian's, uh, Ian Morris's coverage of, uh, Vodafone moving to a, uh, 5G standalone network. Uh, so a real proper 5G network. Um, and I, I think, uh, it's a good piece for everybody to read, uh, if you're out there because it catches some of the push and pull that carrier execs are having while they're evolving their networks. Um, they want to modernize, but the back office software isn't always up to the task. Um, they want to be more energy efficient, but they also want to move to the cloud and that means more edge locations. And that means more stuff out there that's consuming power and space. And so there's a bunch of different decisions that carriers have to make along the way. And of course, nothing is, uh, you know, uh, a slam dunk. It's, it, it all kind of depends on what network they're coming from and where they're going to, and then how many, uh, little stumbling blocks are on the way. So, uh, do, so please do, uh, uh, check that piece out. And now we will, uh, uh, go around the horn and see what else has been happening out there. Um, Nicole, let's start with you. Sure. Uh, so this week, the big thing on my radar was Gigi Sohn's third, count them three, Senate hearing for FCC commissioner, and it took place on Valentine's Day, and it was appropriately a love fest. Just kidding. It was horrible. It was three hours of the same like crazy attacks from the Republicans on the panel uh, that she has dealt with for the past two hearings, uh, followed by you know statements from. Ted Cruz and John Thune that she's unfit and a you know partisan hack and you know the devil incarnate basically. Um, I thought exciting on the FCC, <laughs> wouldn't it? I mean, uh, that would yeah to have an yeah you know, well I guess we've had a devil incarnate before. No no names great, mentioned. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, I you know she did attempt I, I don't know if it was discussed maybe with some on the panel to use as uh, her real selling point that she could if confirmed soon help fix the FCC maps that everyone is up in arms about that need to be fixed before June 30th when the NTIA allocates bead funding. Um, and she made the point that if she isn't confirmed, period, uh, no one is going to be confirmed in time for that fifth seat before that map gets finished ahead of the bead allocation. Uh, I thought it was a smart strategy given that senators on both sides of the aisle have gone on the record to talk about how important it is to fix those maps, but it didn't seem to move the Republicans on the committee. Uh, they seemed pretty uh, dug in to not voting for her. So I think, I, you know, we'll see. I'm sure, I guess we'll see if she makes it out of committee. Uh, some of the Republicans did try to bring up comments she made 
that would have offended um, Senator Joe Manchin, a Democrat, and Senator Kirsten Sinema, a former Democrat, now independent. So I assume they were trying to get her them to vote against getting her out of committee. We will see what happens based on, you know, some chattering in the industry. People are still optimistic that she will get confirmed. But my goodness, what a time. Yeah, it's a lot for one uh, FCC, one single FCC commissioner to have to put up with, especially given their, you know, I'm going to say the, the relatively minor impact that the FCC is likely to have through the rest of Biden's term anyway. Right. Well, I mean, and it should be pointed out, and she pointed this out during the hearing, that a lot of the attacks against her have been funded by and tied to large telco lobbyists that don't want to be regulated. Um, And she, in her opening statement, said that uh, regulated entities shouldn't choose their regulators. Um, So she she definitely tried to hammer that home. Um, So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Interesting. is this the time when we get to talk about net neutrality? Should we should we do that now? Do we have enough time for that? <laughs> and well, and the history of it all too. Yeah, I mean, we can. I'm, yeah, I'm going to go lay back. down. Yeah. So you, you it's like they're just history. not up for <laughs> Part six. I would know. I would love for Mike to talk a little bit about net, net neutrality. Well, do our schedules and do that. I'm going to vote against that. <laughs> in committee, out of committee, everywhere. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, did, did they at least? Uh, did, was that a big topic of conversation during this latest hearing, Nicole? Or not it came. Really? It came up in the same way that it's come up in in other hearings, and um, she has repeatedly made the point that she'd prefer for Congress to deal with it because otherwise, it's just going to go to the courts and it's going to come back to Congress anyway. Um, so you know, it's it's not. Like, and she, she also tried, I thought this was a funny angle that she took that like, she can't come in and make all of the dishes, the, the decisions for the FCC. There is a process. I thought that was a funny, you know, point to try to make to senators who are the, have the same sort of situation um, and, you know, get called out for their extreme views when they're running as well, but whatever. Uh, but she's right. You know, she can't just come in and say net neutrality is back right. or, or whatever. She doesn't have that power. But yes, it was a topic, but not, you know. Uh, it wasn't the focus. The focus was that she's a, you know, liberal radical who hates Donald Trump and hates America and uh, hates the police. Wow. Yeah, that's wow. that's that's busy. Have a huge bearing on her ability to be exactly to regulate maps and shit yeah i did appreciate that she caught herself in her opening statement referencing that she's from long island and caught herself saying long island which is also how i say long island so uh you know that just won her more points with me right that's it gotta be able to say it correctly um uh, speaking of things said correctly, uh, Kelsey uh, went to an event in Raleigh last week. Uh, is, is that what's uh, in your notebook uh, this week, perhaps? Yeah. Um, oh, and and just real quick on the topic of um, things said correctly, I was watching the Puppy Bowl ahead of the Super yes. Bowl, as one does, and they're like, and this dog is a rescue from Mabin, North Carolina, and I was like, it's Mabin. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I bet the dog was if anyone too. from Animal Planet is watching, y'all might want to look up your cities before. That's right. Do your research, yeah. Animal Planet God. people. 
<laughs> but unrelated to the puppy bowl. Uh, yeah, I went to the um, Fiber Broadband Association. They had a regional connect event in Raleigh um, this past week, which was nice to go to an event that was only 10 minutes from my house. I, I think I was like the most local person there. So that was pretty cool. Um, Nokia had a little cocktail hour the night before, and they showed me some demos with, um, broadband money who Nicole spoke with about, uh, some of the maps that they're developing and trying to make it easier for, um, states to apply for bead funding and work on their different grants. Um, and they, so during the, um, the, uh, connect event they talked a lot about what was going on in north carolina specifically and some initiatives that governor roy cooper is working on um nate denny with the north carolina department of information technology division spoke and he talked about how you know governor cooper might add to the affordable connectivity program and why north carolina is really concerned with affordability and digital equity uh, for example, last July, they awarded $23 million in grants um, to 12 counties in North Carolina. Um, so that's about 7,000 households and 374 businesses to receive high-speed internet. So uh, it was interesting just to hear um, specifically for the state that I'm in what they're working on in terms of um, broadband affordability. And, and there was a lot of discussion, of course, about how um, states are going to handle applying for bead funding, um, what that'll look like. And uh, everybody's still trying to figure it out pretty much is what I gathered. <laughs> of course they said yeah, North Carolina is doing a great job, but yeah. like, 49, we'll the, the rest of you, yeah. Get your act together. Yeah. <laughs> right. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I think it is smart for states to have events or have, or have public, you know, uh, more, more of a public, um, uh, kind of put themselves out there a bit to show that they do actually have a plan for whenever they get funding, yeah. you know, and, and, in kind of a public discussion about, you know, like a set of priorities, a set of tangible goals and things like that, because, you know, the, yeah, the funding part, the application part is, you know, it's going to take longer than we think it's going to be a bit of a mess and so on and so forth, but it would be nice to, to for the citizens to actually know that something's on the way or, yeah. you know, to have something to look forward to. Well, that reminds yeah. me, actually, I just got something from Colorado, uh, like a mapping hub or something. I don't know. I, there was something in the email box I need to look back to, but it just reminded me of, uh, yeah, a little bit of outreach going on. Yeah. Uh, if I could add a little bit of context um, from the bead program, uh, what North Carolina is spending and I'm sure what Colorado is spending on that map thing are their bead planning funds. So every state was entitled to up to $5 million from the bead program and planning funds. Once they submitted their letter of intent to the NTIA that they were going to participate in bead. So every state got like roughly $5 million before the end of last year to use on stuff like mapping and other stuff that's going to get them ready to uh, basically roll out their bead plans um, in the coming year or so. Right. 
It reminds me of uh, Office Space. You remember that movie? And they had the the whiteboard, and it said "Planning to Plan" was you know. (laughs) That's a good. (laughs) We're doing a good task. Reminds me of. I mean, it's you know, I don't know if it's the same thing, but it is. Pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) Close enough. Hey Jeff, let's stick with you. Uh, uh, So uh, you know, since you're covering the cable beat, obviously there's uh, there's broadband related news in your. your notebook I'm yeah sure. um yeah the thing i was focused on lately is uh, maybe not so much uh technology oriented but uh something in the world of pricing and packaging and what some of the operators are doing and uh in line with this new uh, comcast is doing this new xfinity 10g network campaign that they kicked off uh, during the Super Bowl, they had like an ad that ran in their local markets. But uh, in tandem with that, they also introduced a couple of uh, uh, limited time promotions. And one of, uh, one of them is like a standalone 200 megabit per second uh, home broadband service for $25 per month. That's good for a period of 24 months. It includes the price of the gateway. Uh, and they're really billing it as something that's competitive uh, with the current plans being marketed by uh, the fixed wireless access guys. Uh, and then the other one I thought was maybe a little more interesting, um, you know, look from a forward view is this new convergence package that they put out in the market that uh, where they combine uh, an, an unlimited line of Xfinity Mobile with, a, with that 200 megabit uh, speed uh, home broadband service for 50 bucks per month. And again, that's for 24 months. And, you know, when I, new, uh, new street re- research dug into it a little bit and really when they, when they put it all together, they thought that the bundle looked a little bit like the spectrum one, which is a similar package that uh, charter introduced last year with the idea that it'll help them gain and retain home broadband subscribers, but also accelerate, um, mobile line growth, uh, and we, we haven't quite seen exactly how much of an impact that has had yet. Um, there wasn't much of an impact in Q4 for Charter, but they didn't really need it. <laughs> it turned out, I mean, they added like a record 615,000 uh, mobile lines in the period. But we'll find out, I think, when when Q1 results roll uh, roll around, you know, what kind of a material impact uh, we've got there. And uh, we're also going to get a better picture on how the Comcast uh, promotions uh, panned out. So it's just kind of an interesting shift to see a lot of, a uh, little more activity going on with packaging and promotion with these services, in addition to all the, the 10G stuff that the cable guys are talking about right now. Yeah, it's interesting too, the the impact that fixed wireless has had yeah. because of the immediacy of fixed wireless, you can just uh, get the device from a, service provider or a store, take it home mm. or maybe through the mail, you know, install it, uh, link it to their network allegedly and off, you're off and running. And so, yeah, cable has to find something that's going to create that, uh, that, that, that level of ease of use, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and, and performance and, and, pricing you know, pricing and pricing and all that together. And, and yeah. yeah, you bring the, the fixed wireless thing and, and Super Bowl. uh, I think T-Mobile did have an ad. It was kind of funny. They had a, um, uh, a truck that was, I think it was a combination of Spectrum and Xfinity. It was like Specfinity or something. And it was, 
uh, combination, but uh, they were they were trying to play up that as well. How easy it is uh, to, to kind mm-hmm. of get that service up and running. Yeah, yeah they did take a take a swipe, yeah. um, and and you know, and and rightly so. It it is a um, uh, you know in in the consumer mindset. I mean, especially given cable's history, you know, calling the cable company is the last thing you want to do. Even if if you already have cable to your house, it just seems like it's going to be something that takes longer than it should and costs more than they tell you. <laughs> and they're, it's nice to see that they're pushing beyond that, that they're trying to, you know, uh, uh, redefine that in, in the, you know, in the minds of consumers and we'll see, see what happens. Yeah. Um, uh, Mike, uh, let's, let's, uh, let's wrap up with you. What, uh, what's happening sure. in the, uh, uh, in the wonderful world of wireless, wireless, as far as you're concerned, that was easy to say. <laughs> say Long Island, Long Island, uh, <laughs> Long, Island. Long Island, worldwide wonderful web of wireless wonder. Uh, is things, yeah. I know there's lots of stuff. So I wanted to talk about private wireless uh, for this thing, and um, and the reason is is because you know private wireless has been a has been a hot topic in the industry for a while, and you know, they really say that it's a big deal because, um, you know, they sell all these radios to carriers like Verizon and T-Mobile, but but the notion of private wireless means that they could sell a bunch of radios to Walmart or a bunch of radios to UPS. Like it just, yeah. it creates the potential for having a lot of, a lot of new customers for 5G equipment. Um, and so in, and the reason I wanted to talk about it was because just in the past few weeks, we've gotten a lot of like interesting deployments. Like we have, um, there's a company called NextWave that built a really big citywide private wireless network, uh, in New York city. Um, Boingo announced a deployment of a private wireless network in uh, Newark, uh, airport terminal, a, a private LTE network, um, U.S. Cellular and Ericsson built a big private wireless network for the University of Wisconsin at Milwaukee. And then um, the, there's a utility company named Portland General Electric that, that has also inked a deal with a startup called Expedo um, to do private wireless stuff. And, and even Verizon um, recently announced a private wireless uh, deal with the NFL to build a, a private wireless network in CBRS spectrum. Um, for like NFL coaches to have private communications on the, on the field. Um, so there's like a lot of, like, there's a lot of stuff going on in private wireless right now. But, um, the thing I would add is that it's actually, even though there's all this sort of noise around it, there's, um, there, it's not, it's not reaching initial expectations. Um, so like even Verizon itself said that, you know, it had had higher expectations for private wireless, than than it than than it's it's reached now and then and then also uh, Del Oro Group another um, analyst firm out there uh, they had to lower their expectations for the private wireless industry um, pretty substantially it's not they said it's not materializing as fast as they had expected and so even though there's all these like sort of announcements about deployments and you know sort of hints about stuff going on it's it's still it's still lower than than a lot of uh, initial expectations which i think is interesting so we'll we'll keep an eye on this uh this space we'll see how it develops um but yeah there's there's uh there's definitely like a lot of sort of turmoil going on right now even there's a company called Anterix that this week 
reported earnings, they, they lease spectrum to utilities so that utilities can build their own private wireless networks. And they, they have stopped providing um, like forecasts because the sales process has been so rough and bumpy and they, they thought they'd have way more customers by now than they do. Uh, so they're just not going to provide any more forecasts from here on out for, hmm. for their sales. So like it's, uh, it's a, lot, a lot going on in that space right now. There's some clear use cases for why people need private wireless or at least companies. And I mean, the airline terminal is a great example. You know, that's like kind of a, a, a self, you know, a, a, a separate part of the airport that probably needs its own, you know, uh, private wireless network, uh, and, and, you know, for use, not just to connect uh, airport uh, personnel and things like that, but the airlines themselves may need, you know, that, that, uh, uh, dedicated connectivity. Um, is it just, uh, I wonder, is it just the complexity is like, that's why it's taking so long just to, you know, the kind of figuring out the relationships because these, these companies that are doing this stuff are not, you know, they're not in the wireless, they've never run wireless networks before. So suddenly yeah. they're kind of thrust. Into yeah, exactly. I think there's a lot of reasons that go into that. I mean, the, the Boingo one in uh, Newark, it's, it's only in terminal a, and they said it supports, um, uh, it supports, you know, connections where the aircraft are parked, loaded, unloaded, refuel, boarded and maintained. And so okay. that's what that deployment is. But I think it's a good example because, um, it's, you know, it's just in one terminal. It's, it, it almost feels like a, like a test versus a airport wide, you know, full on deployment. And so I think, you know, I think the sales cycle for these kinds of things is, is really long and complex and there's lots of testing going on right now, but not a whole lot of like really clear, big, broad deployments and obvious customer, you know, paying customers. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was going to just chime in kind of, Phil, you kind of covered it, but I was wondering if there are obvious use cases that feel like this could be a profitable sector. I mean, but, yeah, it's all it's all unique individual deployments. Yeah. And so you can everybody can think of like, hey, wouldn't it be great if you did one in a mining operation or, you know, for the coach to coach communications for the NFL? Like there's lots of good yeah. use cases, but you have to, you know, for that industry to scale. And, and I think what they had is just really broad expectations that a lot of these tests would turn into customer deployments right away. And I think that's what they're finding is like you have to you have to prove out each one of these use cases, provide a very clear ROI and then get them actually to sign on, you know, during a period of time when there's like tons of layoffs going on in big tech and there's, you know, fears of a recession and no one really right. wants to invest heavily and, in, you know, something that might not pay off for another two, three, five, ten years, maybe. So I think it's just that like that sales process is yeah. is sluggish at best. And a lot of the use cases are centered around things like, you know better communication and better security and, and more of a, you know, uh, more control, but that doesn't necessarily put immediate revenue back into the, you know, bottom line. It's not necessarily a, uh, a new source of income for these companies that are installing it. And so I can also see how these projects get kicked down the road a little bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, if you're we'll do that in Q2 right now, we gotta, we gotta focus on making our number. 
Right. Yeah. If you're running an airport, you can already run an airport. Like they've already run airports. They've been running airports for a while without private wireless. So maybe well, we can do it for another year. I mean, or two. Newark Terminal A, I would say they're, they're, <laughs> it's half and half. <laughs> That's where American uh, Airlines is in Terminal A. And I, I, I invite everyone to walk through the security lines and, and to, to take a tour of the place sometime. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely going back in time. <laughs> Yeah, so is so is riding their uh, train in between terminals. Yes, yeah. you yeah, you have to pedal a little bit to get it going. Yeah, <laughs> a little Flintstone power. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think we're gonna get everybody in New Jersey upset. Is that is sorry? That, uh, <laughs> we might have to move to where Long Island. Long Island. Long Island. Long Island. Or um, Maben. Right. <laughs> well, Thanks for all of that. Um, let's see. So we will uh, we, we have uh, uh, coming up Monday, the President's Day a holiday in the U.S. Uh, for a flash poll or, uh, for everyone. I wanted to quickly know uh, what's your favorite day of the week to have off during the work week? I like Mondays off. I'm a fan. Mondays are good. Yeah. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I would almost prefer Fridays, yeah. but I'll take a Monday. I like mm-hmm. Friday because, you know, things are kind of slowing down. Then anyway, Monday, everyone's like in a panic. Yeah. This podcast is a great example. Of that, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm on the Monday <laughs> side, though, because yeah. uh, Monday has a just that feel to it of dread. You know, it's just kind of nice. Yeah. When, it's like Friday has, is more of an upbeat day because you're like, well, it's the end of the week. And uh, and if you have like Monday off, you're like, wow, OK, that makes me even yeah. more upbeat. That's right. Yeah. Just have that shorter yeah. week to look forward yeah. to. My favorite holiday, as far as how it's situated in the calendar, is always uh, the Thanksgiving weekend yeah. because mm. your your Friday is essentially starting on Wednesday afternoon. Mm. <laughs> and you know you've got those two days off, even though the holiday is just mm. one day. Everybody takes yeah. the second day off, and it's yeah. that's just uh, fantastic. So maybe in the future, maybe we could figure out a way to have President's Day kind of on a Tuesday so that yeah. we kind of have to take the Monday off. Well, how about President's yeah. Days? Yeah, yeah, we have had many precedents. Yeah. Let's yeah. Like, why, celebrate why, almost why stop in one day. I mean, come on. Much better idea. I like yeah. President's <laughs> Day because there's usually like a good furniture sale. So if you need like a new couch, new mattress, I don't know why we yeah. celebrate with deals no, on furniture is, to celebrate our presidents, is, but um, I'm here for capitalism. I haven't noticed capitalism that. Capitalism. Our country was built on uh, the, you know, the, the 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 pursuit of freedom and happiness, and also a comfortable place to sit. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not even true. Um, not true. Our country loves hostile architecture, so that homeless people can't sit down in public. Yeah, like the you Thank know, you benches with talk. the armrests in the middle. Like, yes. Sorry, down here. Yeah. Yeah. All the spikes everywhere. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, don't, no. If you, if you, if you, if you hear this and, and you work for a city that 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 engages in that kind of nonsense, um, guess yeah. what? Like, no one likes it. Not not just you yeah. know, not, not just the people you're trying not to get you know to to, to sleep on benches, but like people who want to just sit down and read the paper. They hate yeah. those things. Yeah, so yeah. Things. <laughs> I you're know be, you're being annoying, and there's no need for it. <laughs> Agreed. Um, anyway, uh, uh, on that uh, lovely note, we'll encourage you all to, uh, uh, you know, to uh, fly into Newark, go go visit Long Island. <laughs> Did I say it right? No, Long Island. Long you have Island. To Island. Emphasize on guy. Okay. Emphasize. There's like kind of a German like in the middle. Long, Long Island. Island. Yeah. 
however uh or or, or any anywhere you want but make sure make sure you have a comfortable place to sit down this uh, president's day weekend and uh, that'll wrap it up for this edition of the notebook dump closing out the week ending friday february 17th 2023 thank you for listening thank you for watching and we will see you next time Thank you.